Section 38 of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 9, England. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 38 The Archery Contest about 1194 by sir walter scott locksley is the famous outlaw robin hood who has come in disguise to witness the great tournament at ashby de la juche the editor the sound of the trumpets soon recalled those spectators who had already begun to leave the field and proclamation was made that prince john suddenly called by high and peremptory public duties held himself obliged to discontinue the entertainments of tomorrow's festival nevertheless that unwilling so many good yeomen should depart without a trial of skill he was pleased to appoint them before leaving the ground presently to execute the competition of archery intended for the morrow to the best archer a prize was to be awarded being a bugle-horn mounted with silver and a silken baldric richly ornamented with the medallion of st hubert the patron of sylvan sport more than thirty yeomen at first presented themselves as competitors several of whom were rangers and underkeepers in the royal forests of needwood and charnwood when however the archers understood with whom they were to be matched upwards of twenty withdrew themselves from the contest unwilling to encounter the dishonour of almost certain defeat for in those days the skill of each celebrated marksman was as well known for many miles round him as the qualities of a horse trained at newmarket are familiar to those who frequent that well-known meeting the diminished list of competitors for sylvan fame still amounted to eight prince john stepped from his royal seat to view more nearly the persons of these chosen yeomen several of whom wore the royal livery having satisfied his curiosity by this investigation he looked for the object of his resentment whom he observed standing on the same spot and with the same composed countenance which he had exhibited upon the preceding day fellow said prince john i guessed by the insolent babble thou wert no true lover of the longbow and i see thou darest not adventure thy skill among such merry men as stand yonder under favour sir replied the yeoman i have another reason for refraining to shoot besides the fearing discomfiture and disgrace and what is thy other reason said prince john who for some cause which perhaps he could not himself have explained felt a painful curiosity respecting this individual because replied the woodsman i know not if these yeomen and i are used to shoot at the same marks and because moreover i know not how your grace might relish the winning of a third prize by one who has unwittingly fallen under your displeasure prince john coloured as he put the question what is thy name yeoman locksley answered the yeoman then locksley said prince john thou shalt shoot in thy turn when these yeomen have displayed their skill if thou carriest the prize i will add to it twenty nobles but if thou loses it thou shalt be stripped of thy lincoln green and scourged out of the lists with bowstrings for a wordy and insolent braggart 
and how if i refuse to shoot on such a wager said the yeoman your grace's power supported as it is by so many men-at-arms may indeed easily strip and scourge me but cannot compel me to bend or to draw my bow if thou refusest my fair proffer said the prince the provost of the lists shall cut thy bowstring break thy bow and arrows and expel thee from the presence of as a faint-hearted craven this is no fair chance you put on me proud prince said the yeoman to compel me to peril myself against the best archers of leicestershire and staffordshire under the penalty of infamy if they should overshoot me nevertheless i will obey your pleasure look to him close men-at-arms said prince john his heart is sinking i am jealous lest he attempt to escape the trial and do you good fellows shoot boldly round a buck and a butt of wine are ready for your refreshment in yonder tent when the prize is won a target was placed at the upper end of the southern avenue which led to the lists the contending archers took their station in turn at the bottom of the southern access the distance between that station and the mark allowing full distance for what was called a shot at rovers the archers having previously determined by lot their order of precedence were to shoot each three shafts in succession the sports were regulated by an officer of inferior rank termed the provost of the games for the high rank of the marshals of the lists would have been degraded had they condescended to superintend the sport of the yeomanry one by one the archers stepping forward delivered their shafts yeoman-like and bravely of twenty-four arrows shot in succession ten were fixed in the target and the others ranged so near it that considering the distance of the mark it was accounted good archery of the ten shafts which hit the target two within the inner ring were shot by hubert a forester in the service of malvoisin who was accordingly pronounced victorious now locksley said prince john to the bold yeoman with a bitter smile wilt thou try conclusions with hubert or wilt thou yield up bow baldric and quiver to the provost of the sports sith it be no better said locksley i am content to try my fortune on condition that when i have shot two shafts at yonder mark of hubert's he shall be bound to shoot one at that which i shall propose that is but fair answered prince john and it shall not be refused thee if thou dost beat this braggart hubert i will fill the bugle with silver pennies for thee a man can but do his best answered hubert but my grandsire drew a long bow at hastings and i trust not to dishonor his memory the former target was now removed and a fresh one of the same size placed in its room hubert too as victor in the first trial of skill had the right to shoot first took his aim with great deliberation long measuring the distance with his eye while he held in his hand his bended bow with the arrow placed on the string at length he made a step forward and raising the bow at the full stretch of his left arm till the centre or grasping place was nigh level with his face he drew his bowstring to his ear the arrow whistled through the air and lighted within the inner ring of the target but not exactly in the centre you have not allowed for the wind hubert said his antagonist bending his bow or that had been a better shot so saying and without showing the least anxiety to pause upon his aim locksley stepped to the appointed station and shot his arrow as carelessly in appearance as if he had not even looked at the mark 
he was speaking almost at the instant that the shaft left the bowstring yet it alighted in the target two inches nearer to the white spot which marked the centre than that of hubert by the light of heaven said prince john to hubert and thou suffer that runagut knave to overcome thee thou art worthy of the gallows hubert had but one set speech for all occasions and your highness were to hang me he said a man can but do his best nevertheless my grandsire drew a good bow the foul fiends on thy grandsire and all his generations interrupted john shoot knave and shoot thy best or it shall be the worst for thee thus exhorted hubert resumed his place and not neglecting the caution which he had received from his adversary he made the necessary allowance for a very light air of wind which had just arisen and shot so successfully that his arrow alighted in the very centre of the target a hubert a hubert shouted the populace more interested in a known person than in a stranger in the clout in the clout a hubert forever thou canst not mend that shot locksley said the prince with an insulting smile i will not to shaft for him however replied locksley and letting his arrow fly with a little more precaution than before it lighted right upon that of his competitor which it split to shivers the people who stood around were so astonished at his wonderful dexterity that they could not even give vent to their surprise in their usual clamour this must be the devil and no man of flesh and blood whispered the yeomen to each other such archery was never seen since a bow was first bent in britain and now said locksley i will crave your grace's permission to plant such a mark as it is used in the north country and welcome every brave yeoman who shall try a shot at it to win a smile from the bonny lass he loves best he then turned to leave the lists let your guards attend me he said if you please i go but to cut a rod from the next willow bush prince john made a signal that some attendants should follow him in case of his escape but the cry of shame shame which burst from the multitude induced him to alter his ungenerous purpose locksley returned almost instantly with a willow wand about six feet in length perfectly straight and rather thicker than a man's thumb he began to peel this with great composure observing at the same time that to ask a good woodsman to shoot at a target so broad as had hitherto been used was to put shame upon his skill for his own part he said and in the land where he is bred men would as soon take for their mark king arthur's round table which held sixty knights around it a child of seven years old he said might hit yonder target with a headless shaft but said he walking deliberately to the other end of the lists and sticking the willow wand upright in the ground he that hits that rod at five score yards i call him an archer fit to bear both bow and quiver before a king and it were the stout king richard himself my grandsire said hubert drew a good bow at the battle of hastings and never shot at such a mark in his life and neither will i if this yeoman can cleave that rod i give him the bucklers or rather i yield to the devil that is in his jerkin and not to any human skill a man can but do his best and i will not shoot where i am sure to miss i might as well shoot at the edge of our parson's whittle or at a weed of straw or at a sunbeam as at a twinkling white streak which i can hardly see cowardly dog said prince john sir locksley do thou shoot but if thou hittest such a mark 
I will say thou art the first men ever did so. However it be, thou shalt not crow over us with a mere show of superior skill. I will do my best, as Hubert says, answered Locksley. No man can do more. So saying, he again bent his bow, but on the present occasion looked with attention to his weapon and changed the string, which he thought was no longer truly round, having been frayed a little by the two former shots. He then took his aim with some deliberation, and the multitude awaited the event in breathless silence. The archer vindicated their opinion of his skill. His arrow split the willow-rod against which it was aimed. A jubilee of acclamations followed, and even Prince John, in admiration of Locksley's skill, lost for an instant his dislike to his person. These twenty nobles, he said, which, with the bugle, thou hast fairly won, are thine own. We will make them fifty if thou wilt take livery and service with us as a yeoman of our bodyguard, and be near to our person, for never did so strong a hand bend a bow or so true an eye direct a shaft. Pardon me, noble prince, said Locksley, but I have vowed that if ever I take service, it should be with your royal brother, King Richard. These twenty nobles I leave to Hubert, who has this day drawn as brave a bow as his grandsire did at Hastings. Had his modesty not refused the trial, he would have hit the wand as well as I. Hubert shook his head as he received with a reluctance the bounty of the stranger, and Locksley, anxious to escape further observation, mixed with the crowd and was seen no more. End of section 38. This recording is in the public domain.